Hi and welcome everyone to the I have a dream podcast where host Rajan Navani initiates candid conversations with industry leaders and experts to explore their aspirations for India as we enter a golden period. Rajan is the national chairman of CII's Council on Future Businesses India at 75 and the Artificial Intelligence Task Force and chairman managing director and CEO of Jet Synthesis. Today's episode features Shekhar Kapoor, chairman of FTII and an eminent filmmaker where he talks about India rising as the greatest influence economy in the next 25 years. To find out more, stay tuned. Thank you for joining us today on this very interesting conversation with a person who really does not need any introduction. You know, a filmmaker, a person who is uh, Padma Shri, chairman of Film and Television Institute of India. But these are just, you know, some tags. But uh, Shekhar Kapoor, thank you for being here with us and really discussing and sharing, you know, your thoughts and views as we move from um, India at 75 to India at 100. as you know honorable prime minister likes to call the amrit kal the next 25 years of accelerated change where india will achieve a position of global leadership really what is it that's going to get us there and how can we really strengthen india's role in the world through our creative industry especially media entertainment something that is you know you have lived with you have championed and actually shaped not only for india but pretty much for, for the world right i want to keep this conversation shaker very free flowing you know want to really try and tap into that that brilliant mind that you have that can imagine so many things in movies <laughs> can we really imagine you know that beauty that beautiful india that you know aligns with all stakeholders in society i think we cannot really think of an india which is not inclusive which does not you know bring everyone together so maybe we can start with the fact that like when you dream of of india or you you know if you were to you know take a lens and go 25 years from today and 2047 what's the dream of india if you were to complete the thing i have a dream that in india 2047 india will how will you complete that state i think it's not just a dream but it's a very very achievable dream and in 25 years from now i see india as one of the biggest world's biggest influence economies influence economies i'll tell you what i mean by that ultimately what drives an economy what drives the world what drives business is the creative economy does you know the business economy come first or the creative economy come first it's i believe it's a creative economy i'll give you an example when i was in university i wanted to buy jeans levis i wanted to go to study harvard i wanted to see movies american so the american creative industry was completely i mean in the land of dosas and sambars and 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 chole and jalebis we were consuming hot dogs and hamburgers what happened what happened was that the creative industry in the us drove it and influenced our minds now the balance is shifting and that's what we have to take advantage of and we are poised to do that what we are poised to do is make india the world's greatest influence economy and there's so many reasons why we are poised to do that one of the reasons is we have a jack in the box effect of our very very young restless aspirational population we don't give them enough credit you know but if you look at when you know i know the tiktok's ban now but when it first came it was all in facebook's biggest 
uh, you know, use is Indian. And you think, hang on, these are not technologies that the boy in the village or the young girl in the village actually is, is, is used to. But no, how soon did they adapt to it? Quickly, quickly, because of their sense of restlessness and their sense of wanting to go out. What we need to do is give them the tools and the facilities to become the great influencers. And once India becomes the influence economy, we need in India to actually encourage and take us forward. And as a chairman of the FTII and, and a lot of other things that I'm talking to everybody about is where. So I'm going to first I'll talk about the influence economy. Let's now talk about what will dominate the influence economy. You know, when the internet first came, everybody laughed. What is internet? Internet. And if I told when the internet first came out in the late 70s or 80s, what the internet is doing to us today, then I said, you're crazy. Now, the next phase of the internet is arriving. And it's a word that a lot of people use, don't quite understand, but it's metaverse. Metaverse includes the internet, includes uh, AI, includes VR. Metaverse is going to be a few trillion dollars economy in its own. So what is metaverse? It is a, a way that you can express yourself digitally, have a thousand yourself, and it's where you go to school in metaverse, you watch films in metaverse. It's also one of the biggest social media platforms that will emerge. So if India, what is India's advantage for the metaverse? India's advantage is that it has the largest base of technology people, you know, technology, technological people here. Yeah, we've created it. You know, we've created it. Unfortunately, we've created the great quarters and all, you know, huge base. I think China and India lead uh, in the very base of technology uh, savvy people. And so that coupled with the fact that in the creative industry, if any time you're looking at just the DOPs, for example, I was telling somebody working in Mumbai itself, it probably, you total it up, it's the number of DOPs working in all of Europe and all of uh, so. So we have a great creative urge. We have a young youth population. India has uh, the, one of the largest percentages of teenagers, and we have the ability to dive into the next phase of what I call the driver of the influence economy. Now, I've said a lot of things. I've talked about young people. I've talked about technology. Of course, there's climate change. You know, now one of the things that I'm seeing in the next 25 years, climate change is going to bring nations together. I know we're seeing a lot of wars. And if you look around the world right now, you see a lot of people, you know, okay, there's a war going on in Ukraine. There's issues in Europe. There's issues in Africa. There are issues in India. But the, I, the fundamental idea that, for example, if the rivers run dry, and it affects everybody. It just doesn't affect one nation. If the glaciers go wrong and the glaciers dry up, we're all affected. So I think that one of the things that's going to happen is that climate change is going to sort of fuss up national boundaries and bring people together with a common purpose to stop the world, stop the planet from bleeding into climate change. That's one thing that's going to happen. And the third thing in India is India is more than a nation. India is an identity. I mean, when I look at social media, we might be fighting a lot amongst ourselves, but we don't forget that there is an identity. What is the identity that is India? That's really important. And we keep saying it's, uh, we're, you know, it's who are we as a people? But I find that there is a social identity that's very common and, and collective. There's a collective identity in India, which uh, Europe doesn't have it. 
The U.S. doesn't seem to have it, except, you know, we're Americans. But there's a deep-rooted cultural identity that Indians seem to have. And youth, the Indian youth have a lot. Now, there are little places where you have so much conflict, but the identity is very strong. So I've talked about the influence economy. I've talked about the future of media and entertainment. And I've talked about technology. And I've talked about climate change and identity. Of course, the great advantage is that India has scale. You know, any new technology that comes up and any, any like with Facebook or any new, uh, you know, uh, site with social identity or we have the scale to actually build. We need to get back, get into the next 25 years. We need to get back into scale and drive our economy. I think that the media entertainment business through that sector, M&A sector that we call through uh, metaverse and, and changes that are about to happen now, if we get to now, we could add a trillion dollars to our economy. That's where I think we're headed. And that's where I think that the rise of India really lies. So beautifully articulated. <laughs> I think you've covered a whole spectrum of, uh, you know, uh, items, but I think keeping that, that central Indian at the core you know, through the identity, becoming an influencer, creator, caring for the planet, you know, and, and then through both performance and price, you know, because scale also brings affordability. I think India has the opportunity to really take on the world in, in more ways than one. And, you know, Shikhar, I couldn't agree with you more on Metaverse because we've been in the business of gaming and, you know, all of that esports, and and we see the evolution of just the fact that one could own you know, digital assets, right? Today, you know, pretty much like you would own any physical asset. And that opportunity that gets unlocked in a world which is so unexplored, you know, is really creating an opportunity which is hundreds of trillions of dollars, probably like what is the real world economy potentially for the Gen Zs, you know, which you rightly said, those one in 10 people in the world being an Indian under the age of 25. You know, so great vision, great thing, great prospect. But as we go on this journey, Shekhar, where... Where do you see the challenges, right? I mean, if you were to to kind of think, what can prevent us from making this dream and this vision come true? What would you think we got to address right away? I'm going to go back to something that you raised. We talked about a metaverse. We created in India a metaverse thousands and thousands and a thousand years ago. The Mahabharat is a metaverse. What is the metaverse? See, when the Mahabharat evolved. The Mahabharat was a spoken story. So when I speak to you and I narrate to you the Mahabharat and then you narrate it to somebody else, that's you have already interpreted Mahabharat and you'll probably add a few characters, change a few stories and then tell the story again. We are the land of storytellers. And it's the land of storytellers that will dominate the metaverse. Nothing that you can tell me in, in sort of media entertainment, technology will change, everything, everything changes storytelling doesn't because all perception is about storytelling. If I'm looking at my computer now, I call it a computer, but I cannot even perceive my computer without telling myself the story of the computer. So I tell a lot of people that, that when I teach storytelling, that if you are telling a story to people and people are learning your story, you're failing. What you have to do is you have to tell a story, encouraging the listener to imagine their own story. Otherwise it doesn't work. So we, as storytellers, are story imaginers. We, we provoke imagination, and that was what the Mahabharat was. Till actually the Gutenberg Press came along and said, ah, you have to publish it, there has to be one Mahabharat. 
suddenly the evolution of storytelling of different branches and i often look at that as a rainforest you know new seeds new trees new things and every day it's changing the sun shines and then now the metaverse has unlocked all of that so you ask me what is what will hold us back and what do we need to encourage this we need to understand that not everything happens from you know we think that we those that we are educated we are kind of privileged and we understand the metaverse because we've all been to you know good engineering colleges and everything actually the metaverse is the revolution of the people who we right now call the bottom of the pyramid so what am i really saying we have to unlock these terms we have to unlock technology we have to unlock you know what i call the arrogance of terms and arrogance of technology when i meet private equity investors uh, you know every day and they say metaverse and i said no no go to a village in india explain to them what a metaverse is and i promise you in 5 minutes they'll understand it better than you do so what am i saying is what we call the bottom of the pyramid i don't call it the bottom of the pyramid because if we take that away the top collapses so we are not a pyramidical structure so we need to go down to the to to the very roots of our society and who said it better it was gandhi mahatma gandhi said you know india comes up from its roots it doesn't come down from the top so one thing that i would say in the next 25 years we have to unlock the opportunity and unlock the understanding and not be arrogant about our technology but allow the people what who we call the bottom of the pyramid we have to allow them to evolve and through their evolution we will be creating for the rest of the world a new economy a new influence economy a new metaverse otherwise the metaverse is right now locked into private equity players is locked into mit it's locked here it's locked there and we worship it we have to stop worshiping that idea we have to let that go so that's a one thing that's very important for india to understand that india will evolve and will take influence to the world from what we right now call the bottom of the pyramid that's what we have to completely unlock oh, and and you know we're so bang on because you know when we talk of india achieving global leadership india being able to you know become one of the top 3 largest economies in the world higher gdp i think if each of these bottom of the pyramid you know what you described becomes a producer first and then a consumer and you know you're able to give an opportunity to make that happen i think this becomes a very virtuous cycle and somewhere you know the whole web 3 and this entire world is and what you talk of an influence economies enabling people to kind of become income generators literally from where they are using different skill sets using you know different aspects of ways in which they could contribute you know to make that happen so i think if this narrative gets tied in into a into a larger say policy framework that can be rolled out at scale uh, i think your dream of what you rightly mentioned you know mahatma gandhi the roots really becoming the foundation block for the stronger india you know just 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 becomes you know so real and but you know again when we come to this how do we take you know this and so many other career opportunities that come out you know from the areas of arts and you know film making and this metaverse like what you rightly said there is talent right there's creative talent there's engineering talent there's all of this but to really unleash employment at scale or you know livelihood opportunities at scale what can be done i mean i'm sure you've seen this happen around the world you've been so deep in this industry how do we get more people involved in this sector um 
I've often been talked to everybody, especially as I've been talking with, with being the head of FTII, is that we're inherently storytellers. There, India is full of art, full of folk tales, full of dance, full of that. What's changing is the technology of delivery of that. So I can tell you a story. I can tell a story here and there. But what I, I think that we need to, to teach a lot is how do you deliver? I mean, a film, it's changing. The way we deliver films will change. We talked about OTT platforms. We never knew those. But once we get into the metaverse, they'll be even different. So the technology of delivering art and to teach that technology and give the artist, whether it's a storyteller or whether he or she's a dancer or a singer, to allow them and understand the technology of delivering it to the rest of the world. I mean, we're never going to influence the rest of the world till our artists and, and storytellers can actually reach out and influence them. So the technology of reaching out is what we have to give them. That's what we have to do because there is art. Wherever you go, there's folk art, there's folk dancing, there's storytelling everywhere. What we need is the technology because technology shifts. I mean, every time you look back, you realize your technology has changed. Every time you look back, it's moving at such a fast pace. Uh, so we need to understand that technology and give that technology to all our arts and all our artists. So they can actually, when you when you said create careers, there's no career unless you can actually deliver it, show it to people, send it to people. And that, again, is going to be something huge in metaverse. You create your own identity in the metaverse. You create your own society, your, your, your own culture, your own group. And metaverse is going to make it much easier for you. So I come back and I know that I keep mentioning after having accused every private equity player of using the word metaverse without actually understanding what it means. We know what it means. We've seen it. As I said, Mahabharat was a spoken metaverse. That's what it is. A metaverse is your characters, you, you identify, you culturally identify with characters that the whole nation, the whole society, the whole culture identifies with. Once you achieve that, that becomes a metaverse. No, and you know, where the human mind goes, you know, evolution follows, right? So if you look at even the human evolution, right? I think, you know, it's, it's moved at such a pace, you know, even if you see kids today, their ability to be able to multitask, the ability to handle technology are just you know, very different from previous generations, right? So I think even nature supports, you know, probably in some way this progression. But, you know, one technology shaker that is disrupted, you know, especially the way people consume content, you know, is OTT, right? You mentioned OTT now, right? And in India particularly, because, you know, you are in this position with the filmmaking and, you know, how it has happened in the pandemic has just accelerated the entire OTT platform for consumption, vis-a-vis theatres and all. How do you see that shape up in the future, particularly, you know, uh, this distribution and consumption on the films and long-form content, etc. Even the OTT is an evolving idea. Even the OTT is going to face huge problems soon. Because the generation that is growing up now is not going to sit back like we did and we were trained to do and we've got accustomed to, they'll say, now, partly we do that by the, we, we, the way we tell stories. When my grandmother used to tell me a story, I only listened to part of the story. The rest of it was me evolving story in my mind. But now, even when somebody watches OTT, and so the, that's what gaming is. That you are a person within the game, playing the game, understanding and creating experiences for yourself. You're not waiting for the storyteller to create your own experiences. You are saying, no, no, I want that experience. 
Now, people have said different OTTs, you can have multiple endings, but it, that is just the beginning. So where OTT has to go now is to, to embrace the idea of uh, gaming. So that, for, let me tell you how. Let's say I'm making an OTT on Mahabharata, even Mahabharata, okay? And there's a series on Mahabharata. What am I? I create an image, right? What I need to do is allow that image and I give it over to people watching it. Hey, take the image. Now create your own image. Create your own characters from what I've given you. Provided you open it free to other people. So you create this free platform. And so that you're, so that's the, the next evolution. It's storytelling OTT combined with gaming engines, allowing the consumer or the kid is sitting out the other, huh, I will do that with this character. And then I will put it up. Give you an example. So I was talking to legal experts. I said, so that's the next thing we have to We have to reformulate what I mean by intellectual property. If, if Einstein had put intellectual property on his equations, there'd be no, our physics will be way behind. Who put intellectual property on, on Bible? There would be no Christianity. You know, we didn't ever say, wow, whose intellectual power property is Mahabharata? So I said, look, can you give me IP for 15 minutes? for my first seed. But there weren't there, coffee. Because if I am right in understanding where the metaverse is going, it will proliferate so fast because everybody, and with this huge population and a huge, you know, the young people in India, they go, tick, 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 tick. It'd go, before you realize it, you know, people would have adapted it. Again, I go back. I keep going back to that example. When Mahabharata was being born, Millions of people once we talking to each other, that's the head of where we're heading for metaverse. In that heading of the metaverse, the nation that will dominate is the nation that loves storytelling. What we need to do to our nation is in the metaverse, is allow them the technology, give them the technology. So coming back to your fundamental ask is, we are a nation of artists. How do we encourage and how do we give Power to the artist. What is the power of the artist? You're not giving power by making the art better. They are artists. We give them the power of reaching people, reaching the world with the art, with the dance, with the music. And, you know, some, some musicians in India already went through that, you know, and they are reaching out. Indian films need to reach out a little bit more than they already do because we still actually just reach out to the Indian diaspora. Why is it that Marvel has these huge films that do so well in five, six languages in India? Why do we not have our films doing a billion dollars overseas? And we will, because the game is changing. The game is no longer theatrical box office or how much the ODT platform, how much it reaches. The game is metaverse, where everybody is, 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 is intermingled. Everything becomes one fluid. Just a rainforest, I'll give you an example. Right? There's a tree that grows and suddenly there's a parasite, it's a creeper, right? And the creeper grows around the tree, goes around the tree, goes to the top of the tree, and it takes all the sun of the tree. Right? But the creeper knows that if it kills the tree, the creeper will fall also. So there's a symbiotic relationship. 
And if you just take this theory of the rainforest, you'll understand how that symbiotic relationship of the rainforest relates to the, the coming symbiotic relationships of the metaverse. I think the interconnectedness, what you're talking of, right, yeah. at every level uh, yeah. is, is, is so critical in true progress if we want to see. And, and I think, you know, where you started out also, there are some issues that the world has to come together for to make it happen. Right across all stakeholders, climate change, you know, and, and I think creative industry, metaverse will also play a very significant role there because when one understands the stories, the, you know, the way to make that happen, like your rainforest was so, such an inspiring example, right? I think, I think all of that, you know, will, will, will start falling into place. But, you know, Shikhar, you raised this one point about Indian movies, right? And, and how we will now become, you know, where we, we, I think we have about 1500 movies a year, you know, we do in India, three or four made it to the Oscars. And like you said, you know, we don't get films that really become large global hits, right? And you have one person who's worked globally across the world, you've seen that, right? What's your message there, right? How, how do we make that filmmaking particularly, you know, uh, rise? I know in the metaverse and in that it will still happen, but if I were to take the traditional film industry, What's your take on that over the next, again, 25 years? The issue with Indian filmmaking is that it's always had a very strong home market. And we talk about the Indian film industry, the world outside doesn't quite enjoy our form of filmmaking. Abhi, I was at, at Cannes, they said, yeah, you're over the top, <laughs> you're over dramatic. And I said, hang on. I, what do you mean your films are not over the top, over dramatic? I just saw Maverick. Here's the difference. When you run out of a story, we have jets screaming across. We don't have that money running, so we have actors screaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what they don't get is that Indian films came from a very fundamental folk art, the Nautanki. From the Nautanki, then there was a Parsi theater, and we adopted a Western style of telling stories, the Western technology, but kept to our folk art which is why Indian films are so strong in India. Now that's our folk art, it's not their folk art. But what's, here's what's happening, is that you said Oscars. How relevant will the Oscars be? Which film just won the Oscar last year? People don't remember who was the director. No, they remember a Korean director. Right? Korean Because that's different. So. So one of the things that Indian films, it's going to be like a drawbridge. The world will understand our filmmaking. World will understand our storytelling. We'll understand how to weave our stories and our editing patterns and production design in a way that they get it. Has there been a nation that's done it? Yeah, Korea. I did notice that there was that one year when Squid Games was the number one show in the world. It was in Korean. Look at it again, see how melodramatic the acting is, much more melodramatic than our films. And The Legend of Shang-Chi was the biggest film that year. Why am I mentioning these two films? Other than one, one white character in Legend of Shang-Chi, who was more like our BS boss character, there was no other white man. So what is happening in the world and where our Indian films will go? Because we can say, we had a different art. And they judge Oscars from a different art, right? So here's what's happening. Asian storytelling, and that's why I use Korea, and I'll use Korea a little bit. Asian storytelling is different. 
Asian storytelling is circular. At the end of the story and everything, a thousand more questions arrive. There are no conclusions. Mahabharat mein kaan conclusion hai? Ek kaan nahi khatam hoti, das aur shuru ho jati hai. So, in our storytelling, the idea of destiny is very prevalent. As it is in China, as it is in Korea, as it is in Japan. In Western forms of storytelling, the idea of the single individual, the will, is so strong. So if you look at them, sniper, anything, the individual will becomes much stronger than a statement of destiny. But because of the market shifts towards Asia, all of these people are coming to us. And I'm not saying we are so brilliant that you should all come to us. I mean, there are a lot of places where we as Indian filmmakers need to understand our production design needs it because more and more, especially with gaming, half the story is told by the design. We don't concentrate on production design. Things like that we have to improve, but we don't have to flog ourselves because we are not getting Oscars because we are a different form of storytellers and the world, and we are more Asian. When I went out to do Elizabeth, I had to ask myself, my con, every artist has to find out who they are in the context of the art that he wants to create. And I realized I will never succeed with Elizabeth if I try to be English or British. I'm not. And if I'm suddenly very Indian, then people won't understand. I'm Asian. I understand Asian. And I said, okay, yes, Elizabeth was a very melodramatic film. And, but it was Asian in nature. Because, and now, I think there's a lot of move towards Asian. And let's look at the nations that have succeeded in that. Small nation called Korea. Japanese manga stories. They're so mythic. At Cannes, I had a big argument. They said, you're so melodramatic. I said, no, we're not. We're mythic. We're mythic people. We have mythic emotions. And therefore, we express ourselves mythically. You say we express ourselves melodramatically. No, we express ourselves mythically because to us, being born is a mythic event. Dying is a mythic event. When you guys go to a funeral, you all sit there trying very hard not to cry. When we have a funeral, and if people are not crying, we call Rudalis to make everybody cry. Because we understand that as a mythic event. We understand getting married as a mythic event. You just look at our love stories, their love stories. We understand falling in love as Nats, Ghana, everything. Why do we go after the tulip fields? Because we believe that falling in love is a mythic event. So there's this other thing. So I'm not very uh, sure that we should whip ourselves and I'm not using that as an excuse to make bad cinema. No, I'm just saying our cinema evolved from Notanki. Fundamental storytelling of when, you know, the Notanki groups used to go to villages. They used to take people from the village and then they would dance a little bit. Then there would be some comedy. That was, that's the folk art form that we adapted to. No, and, and you know, the scale that we talk, that we get in India, we do get it. It's only that we don't get that revenue because the, the price that people pay to watch a film, you know, in India compared to the rest of the world is also such a, you know, big, but with this power moving to Asia, like what you rightly said, I think this whole mythic aspect in the global, I think, film industry or whatever will probably change, right? Because I think, as you rightly pointed out, so many examples of Asian success now are beginning to reflect, you know, in, in, in those areas. I mean, you won your first award since you talked of Elizabeth Basum, I believe, you know, when, you know, a critic, it was like half of the journey of India at 75, right? I mean, I think it was in 1983. 
which is nearly yeah. 35, 37 years ago. So if if one uh, you know looks at again filmmaking then last 35, 37 years, you know the midpoint of this India 75 years is again just post independence. India is of course thousands of years old culture which gets reflected in all those folk stories. How has it changed? You know, do, do you see this last half of the 75 years changing and on that basis, how will next 25 years kind of evolve? Can we learn from the past for the future? Contrary to what people say, Indian cinema has constantly reflected shifts in our culture, shifts in our society. So, for example, the coming of Amitabh Bachchan as this angry young, urban, urban, angry young man represented a lot the population shifts from the urban area to from the rural area to the urban area with young men and young people coming looking for jobs. And that gave rise to the, the, the very angst of the loneliness because they left families, they left community. So coming out of the community into a, what we call an urban jungle and being lonely. So it was not just the angry man, it was the angry, lonely young man's experience that Amitabh Bachchan suddenly caught on to and the, the writer Selim Javed caught on to. So that's just an example. So then suddenly, for example, then we went through a phase with the current, you know, Karan and, 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 and a lot of other Karan Jor and everybody. They caught on to the aspirational India. Suddenly through videos and through various other means, the young Indian was suddenly aspiring to be international. And then you suddenly saw all the heroes and the heroes were coming from London. So they lived in London and they came back denying the London experience in favor of but the, the sudden splurge of those films was the aspirational young Indian wanting to wear and be in contact with the rest of the world which they had been denied for a long time. So they saw it through their film. So I'm just taking two examples. But if you go back, you know, there was this time when Dharmendra was, when there was, you know, Nehru launched the new irrigation and the great agricultural revolution. The hero was always a doctor or an engineer or making dams and things like that. But that was the first splurge of the pride in independent India. So they've always followed. So what will the next phase be? I think the next phase will be much more international. The next phase will be an integrated international India pulling storytelling towards itself and relying and taking out. See, storytelling is not external. It's very internal. And the deeper the internal bonds with your storytelling, the more influence you will have. And we've had, we have such deep bonds with our cultural storytelling. So I think the next phase of India will be adopting more Western technology, metaverse is Western technology, adopting better production design, you know, adopting world standards. And then as we, as Indian filmmakers, go out to the rest of the world, and there will be a time, 25 years, definitely, when the world will be looking at us here in production design. You know, when I go out in urban India today, sometimes when I think, yeah, the aesthetics of architecture in Kerala, for example, so beautiful. And then I'll suddenly come across a house that was built recently by people who suddenly just got a lot of money and it's so contradictory to the aesthetics of architecture. The aesthetics of our urban area before our urban area suddenly got so crowded and congested. We have a fundamental basic aesthetic that is deeply rooted in us. And that's what design is. Design is an aesthetic.
and uh, in the the desire to be Western sometimes or to adapt to the West, we forget our own aesthetic design. I'm getting very deep rooted, very complex. <laughs> no, no, but but it is so true, right? I mean, that depth is what really keeps India and will keep us, you know, at the core of what we stand for, right? As we move forward, I still go back to that word identity that you used. You know, will continue to define and shape. You know, not only what Indians will represent, but what hopefully the future of the world will recognize. You know, as 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 India regaining probably its lost glory at some point. We did 35% of global trade, went out of India at one point. I think, you know, the yeah. influence of the Indian on the world was so large and so impactful. We've seen that, right, Shekhar? And, you know, you see it in, in technology, you see it in CEOs of some of the world's largest companies. You know, we're seeing it in business, we're seeing it in art, people like yourself and so many others who have become you know, strong global brand ambassadors, you know, uh, for India. But, you know, as we continue to to integrate deeper with the world, like what you rightly said. What do you think are some of the global benchmarks, you know, that Indian art, literature, movie, television fraternity can take inspiration from, right? And, and you know, is there some role from a policy perspective, you know, that can help direct and shape this, this future? I've already said that actually we, the policy should be to give power back to people. But the policy, you know, we need to understand what happened. Why is... Why is India for all its, its, its huge technological base of people that understood technology? Why didn't we build Google in India? Why not? Why didn't we have Skype in India? Why didn't we have Apple in India? When we know we have the market, we know we have, we have the base, the, the technology base. I think in the policy perspective, we just need to look at the future. And certainly in my sector, I'm saying, really encourage, let's look at the metaverse and plan for it. And the plan is to create in India, when we talk about this huge number of startups that are coming up, and India is a startup capital. Every time I talk to people, India is the startup capital. There is more, everybody for all the but they all go back to India to invest because there is no other investment destination that you can think of right now. So if you can concentrate and encourage startups, the problem is sometimes that the Equity players and startups are these huge companies, all Western minds. We need much more Indian minds and Indian mindsets. That's why I keep mentioning Mahabharata. I've said that we need more Indian mindsets in our startups that understand what our culture really is and then create from there. It's not enough just to say, oh, I will create something that, you know, food delivery, all very relevant, but let's go deep into the culture and then build startups on there. So policies that will encourage startups on the village level, policies that will allow us the technology to be built within India and have give people the access, our people, the access to technology. And then the policy to understand that the the ME, the media and entertainment business in India, from India only, I'm not talking about the rest of the world, from India, the idea of the metaverse and media and entertainment business in the next 25 years could exceed a trillion dollars. It can. I can see it, the writings on the wall. So whatever policies we can do to encourage that and allow, not saying teach, I'm saying allow. That's a great thing in India. You have to allow learning. You have to allow education. I'm against this idea of children go padao. No, they're there. They're waiting and they know better than you. You know, in a way, the new world, they know better than I do. 
because their instinct goes there. My instincts is uh, still is, is now a little you know older. So policies that will allow this growth sector, this amazing village sector, the, the, what we call the lower, uh, the, the bottom of the pyramid, to grow into metaverse. Because we don't think of that. We think metaverse is just a, okay, buddy company, I, you know, I'm not naming the big companies that are talking about metaverse, but it's very grassroots. So I'm saying that our policy should go that way. Our policy also, in terms of these new things, invest much more money in research much more money in research in these areas. I mean, look at us. Can we do it? Look what we've done with our space technology. Look what we did with our Mars. Uh, at one, you know, we're doing things at 100 the cost and showing the world what to do. We have that. And so more research. That's it. If, as a policy, I would say more research, more research institutes, and even if, if FTII and, and gaming and everything, let's set up research institutes. That's set up where, you know, people and then place these research institutes, not just in Mumbai, but let them reach out to every part of India, like Gandhi used to say, and, and, and say, okay, we reach out, come and create, come and create, come and create. I'm sounding like a bit of a patriot with a political speech right now. But <laughs> come create together. Let's co-create. Yeah. That's the, yeah. you know, you said even education, people don't want to be just told what to do. They want to be part of the process that helps them, you know, develop what yeah. they should be also working on. I think that sentiment is, is such a powerful, powerful yeah. one. You know. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when we adopt very Western ideas of education, we forget that in the traditional Indian idea of education, we've forgotten that there was not just knowledge. There was knowledge plus wisdom. Because wisdom, it's like, let me take a seed I'll break the seed apart and I'll show you the components of the seed. What we don't teach is the seed, unless it's a whole together, it has no wisdom, can't create a tree. It's only the wisdom of the whole that can create a tree. What is that wisdom of the whole? What we've done through our Western education is created education into little silos. Uh, chemical ho, uh, chemical engineering. So gradually, 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 we, we've narrowed our focus of knowledge and ability down. And we've forgotten that we've forgotten the wisdom of the whole. And I've often thought that the reason Silicon Valley did so well is because there's all, everything is together and they all talk to each other. India's one huge Silicon Valley. It's not just Bangalore or Hyderabad or Delhi or Pune or Kakara. It's a whole Silicon Valley in terms of the wisdom of the whole. Mara Gurukul the wisdom. The wisdom of the whole. All went to Silicon Valley and to a large part of the world from India, right? I mean, historically, it's India who has, you know, uh, shaped that. And I think that's the way, you know, yeah. this, this entire ecosystem working together would probably, you know, be, be amazing. But, yeah. but, you know, Shekhar, I, I don't know, I'm looking at the time, how 40, 50 minutes have passed. And I know we can continue, you know, talking for, you know, for, for, as much time, you know, because it's such a, you know, interesting topic and, and you've been so engaging and, and your art of storytelling here, I'm sure has inspired so many across the country and, you know, policymakers and others who can take a cue on how we can really shape, you know, this future of our country, especially the next 25 years in the most imaginative way, but still, you know, really go down to grassroots and make the right changes happen to, to, to deliver on this. One thing is for sure, Shekhar, I'm going to take you up on many of the pieces that we have talked about, you know, as, as this journey between industry, 
you know, what you rightly said, media fraternity, you know, in research institutes, you know, policymakers, we all need to, as an ecosystem, as a whole, really, you know, come together, understand, you know, what's the right thing for us to do and then move society, you know, to, to kind of deliver an action upon that. I think that's, that's one, you know, big part. And, and we know the, you know, the role that, you know, media films play in shaping that society. You know, you talked of, you know, films being representative of, of the times. And I, just on that point, you know, you talked of Amitabh Bachchan. I know there are seven crore people by the name Amit in India today. We did some survey. And, and, and a lot of them are all in that same generation when Amitabh became a superstar. Right? So even for us to name, because those are the role models that, you know, we take. So media has such a powerful role on shaping even the future of the way people think. So I'm going to take you up on, on this as we, you know, try and mobilize the right thought leaders, you know, to shape this. But it's been such an enriching, uh, you know, 45, 50 minutes with you. And thank you so much for, for sparing your time and shaping my, this. My pleasure. It's my pleasure, Rajan. My pleasure. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. This was Shekhar Kapoor. Chairman of FTII and an eminent filmmaker in an engaging conversation with host Rajan Navani, where he shared his vision for India at 100. Thank you all for tuning into the I Have a Dream podcast. Stay tuned for more conversations where we explore what India has overcome and what India can do to become a strong leader as we enter a golden period.